Welcome to Toothpaste, the podcast, the other side of dentistry. There are two sides to our great profession. On one side, we have financial independence and personal fulfillment. On the other side, we have financial hardship, depression, and burnout. Why do some dentists thrive in this profession and others struggle to get out of bed in the morning? That is exactly what we are trying to find out. We don't claim to have all the answers, but we talk to some really smart people that can give you some insights on how to thrive in dentistry and life. Thank you for listening. And now for our hosts, Dr. Jessica Gall and Dr. Vincent Buscemi. We did it. All right. Episode 38. 38. Welcome to the Vince Buscemi podcast. I, I changed the name to <laughs> With it. Vince Buscemi. Vince Buscemi and his guest, Vince Buscemi. <laughs> Today we have Dr. Jessica Gall, lead Democratic strategist for the Joe Biden campaign thing. Is that true? <laughs> no. Are you handling his Alzheimer's medication? <laughs> no comment. No comment, because she is. <laughs> I remain apolitical. No, this is now a this is now a. It's <laughs> a political podcast. This is a conservative conspiracy <laughs> libertarian podcast. Let's talk about abortion. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Today's kind of a special day because both our guests canceled on us, but it's also special. <laughs> I think we're at about the one year mark of having this podcast. I think so. Yeah. I think September is when we started it. Yeah. We've doubled <gasps> our following from, from zero to zero. So I feel good about this. Um, That's awesome. I want to do a quick recap on the past 37 episodes. I'll go first. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Um, Who was on our first episode? Do you remember? Rebecca. Oh, that's crap. right. Okay. I her last name. Um, good podcast, though. Yeah. That was the first one. First one. Wow. First guest. Okay. The very first podcast, I interviewed you. And then I interviewed you but on the second one. Somehow, like, yours got deleted. And people are like, of course. Of course. People are, I could not stand. A likely story. I couldn't stand you having a podcast first over mine. Okay. So, so, to, so today, to we're going to even year. that out. Yeah. Wait a full year. <laughs> To interview you, um, it's, we're not really interviewing me though. So we're we're gonna discuss practice. Wait buying a what do you do for a living? You never, I never even asked you. <laughs> <laughs> you used to be a dentist, and yeah. now I was a dentist um, just for a quick summer, so a summer internship. Yeah, and then uh, I switched into real estate. <laughs> so Jessica gets annoyed when people ask her why she only practiced for seventeen years. No, people say it like this. They say, why did you leave dentistry? Did you hate it? Did you hate it? And they nod. I'm like, no, I didn't hate it. I actually enjoyed it for 17 years. And but then one day you just said. Yeah. I mean, I started, you know, the story. I mean, I started consulting while I was practicing. There was some overlap and and I decided to do practice sales and medical dental real estate full time. Um, so I never look back. I, I think it was a great decision. What's worse, the worst dentist who's your client now or the worst patient who is your patient? Patient. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't really have bad clients. That's not true. She tells me about them all the time. I don't. I don't because it's um you know, it's it's stressful selling a practice. I can commiserate with them. Like yeah. We were talking about that the other day. Um you know, I I have had to have a conversation with a couple people about boundaries and Physical you know, boundaries? No, like like <laughs> calling me at um, eleven thirty at night, expecting to have a conversation about yeah their practice. That's I can't do that. What time do you go to um, bed? Like ten usually. 10? Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm an early riser. I go to bed early, and but there are certain you know just certain boundaries. Like I don't I don't call people before nine a.m. Yeah, even though I'm up at six a.m. But I just that's what I do. And then if I'm talking to someone on the West Coast. You know, I factor that in nine o'clock Pacific time. So I, you know, it's, that's just courteous, I think. Yeah. So I have had to talk to some people and say, I want to talk to you, but I can't take your call at 1130. You don't, you don't want me to talk to you about your practice at 1130. I'm not, I'm not quick about it, but no, do you I, think that we're moving towards where everybody expects phone calls, text back all hours of the day? I do. I do think there's that expectation. Um, I mean, you feel it. Oh, all the time. You're, you're always available. That's, yeah. you know, it's different if you're in pain or it's an emergency, they should be able to reach you. But, but should you run over here at 4am to accommodate someone's schedule? Not necessarily. Yeah. I, I, I do think it's good to have, to have boundaries. I'm, I'm at my best mentally 
from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. I'll be honest. Yeah. I'm not saying it falls apart after 2 p.m., but but in the evening, that's that's not my best time. I'm not at my sharpest. I I've never been like that. Nobody is. I work out in the morning. I you know, I like to do all my serious stuff in the morning. Yeah. Um, you know, that being said, it's like there's a time for business. I think, you know, nine to five traditionally. Yeah. Um even past like three o'clock though. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough though. Um, but sometimes, you know, when I'm dealing with sellers and buyers, they get off work at five. So they end yeah. their work day. And then I do a lot of work between five and eight PM. But that's meeting with people between five and eight? Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I'd rather meet people on the weekend in the morning, grab coffee. That yeah. that works better for most people. Um but sometimes I do, you know, I'll take phone calls at, in the evening yeah. to accommodate. I have to. But but between eight and eight. After eight PM I'm I usually am returning the this call. This is the next still a twelve hour day. You're available eight yeah. to eight. Yeah. But I, you know it's a flexible schedule because yeah. I'm I'm doing other things during the day, but but I, I probably should put that on my voicemail. You yeah. know, if it's after eight PM, I will call you back the Delete next Delete my number till tomorrow. Yeah. I totally agree. Because it's like if you call me at eight thirty and you're waiting for me to call you back that night. You're wasting your time. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna call you at ten o'clock. Yeah. Because what if you talk for two hours? Then you're oh, fucked yeah. the next day because you're so tired. Right. Right. It's like I need my beauty sleep. Yeah. Obviously. Obviously. Are we on video? Oh my God. Look at us. Obviously. We're, we're good looking couple <laughs> podcasters. So today we're talking about the do's and don'ts of fashion makeover. <laughs> I think fashion bronzer. is a scam. We're going to talk about bronzer. You think fashion is a scam? What do you mean by scam? So I, I don't know how to say this without being politically incorrect, but like, let's say like you have a body that's not attractive. Yeah. Gucci will still sell you stuff. Yeah. But you won't look good. Like purses. Like Yeah. Well, yeah. even like oversized shirts. Like yeah. you'd look better in cheap clothes if you're in better shape. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I totally agree. Fashion think, is like recession proof. Like you sell to anyone at any well, time. Well, they change trends every year so they can sell more stuff. Because if you have the same pair of jeans from 1985, those are going to last a really long time. But two years later... Nobody's wearing low-waisted boot cuts. So you have to go with, you know, whatever's in style. Yeah. So they're smart like that. But you're right. I mean, I think, I, I don't know, I value being fit and being in shape over fashion. For sure. I mean. I, now that I'm thinking, fashion and college textbooks are a scam. Yeah. Well, college textbooks are obsolete. Well, every, as soon every as they're three, published. three weeks is like another edition. Yeah. And then they just misspelled another word. Anytime in you put something in print, as soon as it's, you know, one day goes by, it's, it's outdated. Yeah. Um, even songs. Like I was listening to. Wait, songs get outdated? Well, I was listening to, I don't know what I was listening to. Getting like, jiggy with it. With yeah. I was, <laughs> right. I was running and I was listening to my run mix, which is, you know, pretty old school, but. There was this one song about I left a message on your answering machine. Who was it? Shaggy? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. But it was like, oh, that's totally outdated. You know, just just those words. It's like nobody has an answering machine. You don't leave a message. Yeah. Um, and my kids would say like leaving a voicemail is old school. That's my old school? My daughter says only old people leave a voicemail. Now. How do you get a hold of people on the phone after you call She them? says you call and if they don't answer, you text. I do that now. No. I think we talked about that before. I, I do do that. I find that annoying. I kind of like it, I actually. Because my voicemail is transcribed. So I can just read the voicemail. Yeah, yeah. But I So if someone calls me, I don't answer for whatever reason. I don't get to the call. And then they'll send me a text. I just tried to call you. Please call me back. Yeah. I like it. I find that annoying. Oh, really? If I call you and you don't answer, I text you. Answer the phone right now. Like, yeah. Obviously, you're, that's not what you're saying, though. You're saying, "Hey, I I called you." Um, you know, you could say like in lieu of leaving a voicemail. Or, but isn't the missed call isn't that signaling you? No, called? I don't. I don't return calls if they're just a missed call. Okay, if they don't leave a message or send me a text. Really? So if I call you and don't leave, no. A what message? if it's an accidental call? Like, I don't want to be. It's kind of like Russian roulette. What if it's an important call? Well, if it's important, they will have to message or send me a text. I was so short on time, I couldn't even do either of those. (laughs) Falling down the cliff. All I had time for was the call. Call, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Anyway, speaking of things in print out of date, this is printed today, (laughs) so it's not out of date yet. Well, this is also going to be on my website, ttpracticesales.com, and I can update it constantly, and I will, because things are always changing in practice sales and business. But this is not. This is canon. 
You, do you use the word Canon yeah. in regular speak? Like a Canon copier? No, like Canon, like it's like in the literature and it's like Homer's Odyssey is Canon. The Bible's Oh no, canon. I don't use that word. Should I, I? I just started using it. Okay, you like it? Tremendous benefits. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so stupid I can barely explain what Canon is. So Anytime I come across a word I don't recognize, I look it up. Okay. Um, so, you know, dictionary.com now, but I used to have a dictionary. I'd look up words and that's a word I would look up because I, it's not in my vernacular. Well, only losers, you know? ooh, that's good. Only losers use the word canon. Well, I mean, now I'm, I'm curious about it, Yeah. but I wouldn't just look it up and then feel free to like use it oh, yeah. without but, abandon. I would be like, okay, now I have to study test it, it out on the kids. Write a know? few practice sentences. <laughs> right. But this and is I'm canon. just going to throw it out there. Okay. So this is Dr. Jessica Gall's do's and don'ts okay. for buying a pizza hut. So define canon while we're at it. Canon is a work of literature that stands the test of time. Okay. All right. Nice. Well, let me look that up just in case. Okay. No, no, I like it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with it. So this will. So in 100 years, when robots <laughs> are doing dentistry, they're going to follow the do's and don'ts. A buying a practice. I can just carve it in stone right now. Carve it in stone right now. Okay. Um, is anything carved in stone anymore? Is that even a thing? I don't know. Is anything that's 3D printed? Yeah. I know. My mom used to say that. It's not carved in stone. Even you know? if it is, you can still like oh, yeah. do something else. Just break it. Yeah. Uncarve something else. Uncarve it. Okay. Um, okay. So people ask me often, um, you know, buyers will say, I want, I, they call me all the time. I'm, I want to buy a practice or I'd like to buy a second practice. And I, t I ask them, okay, what are you looking for? And then they, sometimes they don't know. Sometimes they just don't know how to go about it. People who are seasoned practice buyers, they usually have a pretty good idea, but people who are buying practices for the first time, um, they don't, they don't really know what they're looking for. And then sometimes they find it and they don't buy something that I think in my opinion, they should buy. Why are they not buying it? Um, because it doesn't match exactly what they're looking for. And sometimes what they're looking for is not what they should be looking for. So they're on the wrong track. So I tried to come up with a list. Um, I like lists because they're easy to read um, of just things you should do when you're looking for practices, when you're a buyer, and things you should not do. I guess why do these dentists have... By the way, I'm wearing Invisalign, so if I have a list, I apologize, but I'm not taking them out. Why do these why good. do these dentists have a list of things that they don't like why do they think they want it but they really don't want it when they buy a practice? Because someone why do they think they want it? Well, cuz someone told them along the way you want this, you don't want this. Okay, so it's not from personal experience. It's just like No. That's they one of your points too, but it's from bad advice. Yeah, yeah, they don't have the experience. Okay. So they don't know. Um you know, so for example, people will say, I only want an office that takes, you know, certain types of insurance. And okay. I'll ask them, okay, why? Well, because, and they can't really answer that, you know, because I work in an office now and they take Delta Premier and I want to take Delta Premier. And I'm like, okay, so what? <laughs> yeah. So take Delta Premier. Um, you know, you don't, you can change things. And, and you know, now that you own a practice, you change a lot of things when you buy a practice. Even unintentionally. You don't yeah. even know that you're changing it. Yeah, it just changes. It changes in spite of you, yeah. because of you. Because you're you know, you're there and and it's just naturally gonna change. Well, I think in the beginning, would you agree that the practice becomes you yeah. before it becomes a business? Yeah. Well, I'll I'll make a bold statement. So so if you if Vince, if you bought three different practices right now and they're all different. In five years, those three practices would all be very similar. I agree. Yeah. I don't think that's bold. No, I mean, that's, the, I think that's a fact. Yeah. I really do. And, and I have to explain that to people. Um, so here's, here's my, my struggle or my difficulty is I'm a salesperson now. That's how these people see me. You know, it's like they think that I'll say anything to sell or practice. That's, that's not true. Um, I, I feel like if I sell a practice to someone and it's the wrong practice and they don't do well, I haven't done my job properly. Um, I don't think it needs to be an exact fit, but I want them to be successful. But it's also not your responsibility to make them successful. It's not. It's not. But it is. I do feel responsible for, for guiding them and giving them good advice. Um, yeah. You know, I'm hired by the seller to, to do a job, to sell a practice, but I do want that 
practice to be successful um, for, you know, for that buyer's benefit, also for my benefit. Um, if they're successful and they want to open additional locations, I hope to help them with that someday. Yeah. Um, or transition the practice to someone else when the time comes. And the more successful it is, the better it is for, for everyone, buyer, seller, everyone involved. So, I think you're one of the few brokers that are explicit about you represent the seller. Yeah. Because in, yeah. in all my process, I, I didn't work with you after, when I bought this one, but nobody said, by the way, Vince, I have no duty towards you. I'm really only having a fiduciary duty towards the seller. So yeah. good luck. And I don't, you know, I, I wouldn't say it like that, but I do tell them, it's like I was, you know, I'm, I am very honest. I was hired by the seller to sell this practice. You know, that being said, I if this is the absolute wrong practice for someone, I, I'll tell them. I don't Let's think most, keep looking. Most, most brokers would. You don't or you do? I do not. Oh, I I don't know. I, I would hope they would. Let's say you have a commission check of $100,000. I think your brain could trick you into thinking, this kid can make it work. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I think it would fall apart before the the deal was over. Okay. And I don't want to sell and run. You yeah, know? No, I <laughs> it's get like it. A, like a hit and run. Yeah. Um. So I think if I had a situation like that, I, I did, but yeah. it, it ended like in the very early stages. It was the wrong practice. Okay. Well, let's, let's get to the list. Okay. So um, go ahead. This is so important. The first do, and I did this as well, make a wish list of what you want, but, and then correct me if I'm wrong, but only focus on the most important ones. Yeah. Or make a list of what you think you want. Okay. But you know, it might change and you can add to it and subtract from it. And it could be like this, you know, work in progress. Would you say it's, you kind of really only know what you want once you're in it. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you, you don't realize, you know, that you wanted things that you do. It's like buying a house, you know, you buy, you buy a house and it's like, you have your list of things that you want and then it has something that wasn't on your list. And you're like, Oh, I really like that. Oh yeah. I'm glad I have, you know, an attached garage. It wasn't on my list, but it's really nice. Oh, many people have been on my list. said in life, like, I thought I wanted this. Mm-hmm. And I actually did it and I did not want it. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or you'll, you'll kind of be flexible. It's like, all right, well, I, it turns out I didn't need that. Um, so let's, so let's go through some things that should be on the wish list, like, yes. um, location by city or area. Okay. I think that's pretty important. Um, kind of figure out sort of where you want to be. Um, and then I have number of operatories, insurances in network with or not, days of hygiene, real estate for sale or lease, and then collections, et cetera. So collection amounts. Um, I would say that one you should be very flexible on. Because you can get in there and increase collections. Yeah. You can also get in there and decrease collections. Yes. Yeah. So don't don't overlook the practice that's doing... I love practices that are doing around four or five hundred thousand, because I think for a young um, go-getter dentist with a hygiene program, it's easy to increase that to like seven, eight hundred fast. Yeah, that's a really quick increase. When I'm looking at this list, location and real estate are non-negotiables for me. Yeah, those are really important to you. Yeah, yeah, um, and and some people, you know, real estate. I would also. And I, you know how I feel about real estate, but I would also be flexible on that because if you if you buy a great business, um, you can buy real estate and move your practice. That's true. I did that. I bought a building and moved my practice out of a lease, you know, into a, my own building. And, yeah. And you can do that at any time. So that I don't think that should be a deal breaker. But if you are absolutely sure you want to own your real estate, yeah, that can be part of your plan. It just doesn't have to be part of the first plan. So then, what you're saying is. Basically, location is more important because if you move real estate, you move in like one, two miles at yeah. the most. Yeah. So kind of figure out where you want to live first mm-hmm. and then buy a practice based off that. Yeah. Yeah. Or some people buy a practice and then move according yeah, to yeah. where they find the practice. Yeah, you can do that too. If you can do that. I mean, a lot of a lot of us are like settled and then we go practice shopping. Yeah. So you kind of have your radius. Um, but... Yeah, I think that's, for me, I think that's more important. And how important to you is time? Because if you live 90 minutes from your practice, mm-hmm. losing three hours a day. 
Yeah. Well, it depends. Like I think about my sister, Angie, who drives from Rochester to Flint. How far is that? It's like an hour and 15 minutes, maybe. Okay. So she does that, but she is compensated enough to make that okay. Okay. And then I just actually ran into a friend of mine who's a vet and she just took a position at a clinic in Detroit. She lives in Troy and and she said, you know what? It's a long drive, but I just, I have Audible. So okay. she's, she's listening to books and she's like, I kind of, kind of liking it. You know, it's like a, it's like a wind down at yeah. the end of the day. She listens to her, her book or her podcast. And she's like, I'm, I'm making an, enough money to justify this drive. Okay. Yeah. They're probably in different positions in life than I am where the kids are probably just a little bit older. Oh yeah. Yeah. But if you want to like work and be home in five minutes, you know, that's different. Yeah. So, you know, it just depends on your situation. Yeah. So I think overall, everything I said was right. Everything Jessica said was wrong. Yeah. But I think you really need to make a wish list. Make a wish list and share it with your, you know, your advisors, your broker, if you're working with one. Even your and spouse. Yeah. Share, share it with people and, and kind of talk about it. You're going to change it a lot. So um, that's okay. And then you'll kind of figure out as you go what's really important your deal breakers yeah or things that you're more flexible about so i just thought of this what if you wrote something that's really important to you and then maybe the wish list items would support that like so, what? so for me what's really important is freedom yeah and i'd rather make a little less money but have a five minute drive home so i can have more free time yeah with my family or even by myself right right so that's more important to you yeah some people it's like well if i make you know I'm making such good money. I'll drive to Toledo and back. Yeah. And some people do that. And they're okay with it. And they're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Because their ultimate goal is money. Yeah. And they might say, all right, well, I'll do the drive. I'm just going to take my last patient at three instead of four. Yeah. And they factor it into the day. I still want to do that even if I make less money. And the day earlier. Yeah. Even at like two. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I mean, we can talk about that. So number two, a do is interview brokers. If you're a buyer. Because remember, brokers work for the seller. So how yeah. many people interview you? They're um, buyers. I think, I think people interview me often. Do you think it's hard to interview a broker because they're kind of attached to the practice? Um. Well, are you talking like if I'm representing a certain practice, they interview me or yeah. interview me to help them look? What do you mean by interview brokers? I mean interview brokers to see who you'd like to work with or who can help you. Because you can hire a broker to represent you as a buyer. You can. That's uh-huh. more rare. Um, It's becoming more common. Okay. Yeah. I'm working with some buyers. So. I think that makes it, you always talked about this, so much easier yeah. if two brokers are communicating. Yeah. I love doing deals where there's a broker on the other side. I have a couple of those right now. Do you remember Dustin Curris? Yeah. I just had dinner with him and his wife. Um, he had a he had a buyer broker. They had a buyer broker, yeah. Yeah. which helped a lot. Yeah, it does. So even if you're not going to hire someone, still reach out and talk to people because brokers have the practices, the listings, usually first mm-hmm. before they put them out um, on, a, on the market. And if you find someone who you like talking to, they're, they're going to call you or you have that communication open. So you're going to talk to them often and you're going to know about practices sooner. And that kind of goes into the, one of the things on the, on the don'ts. But What's that one? Let's move to that okay. one. Okay. You want to do the, to hop over to the yeah, don'ts? Yeah, we'll go back. Okay. And, yeah, there's no structure right. here. So, <laughs> so it's Friday. So don'ts, um, one of the things I have here is don't expect brokers to call you. And I'm not saying that to be mean, but... I have a, I have over 200 buyers. Yeah. So I don't check in with all my buyers on a regular basis. I can't. The more I read this and listen to you, this is practice advice, but this is like good life advice. Yeah. Don't expect people to call you. Yeah, for exactly. If you're, if you're looking for something, if you're looking for a house, a building, a business opportunity, check in with, with the brokers, you know, send them a text, send them an email once a month. Hey, you know, just wonder if you had anything new, just checking in, have a good weekend. Then you're kind of, you know, in their top of their mind. Yeah. Once um, a month. Yeah. Once a month is good. When I was pursuing this practice. Yeah. The person who was my broker doesn't listen to this, but once a day. Once a day. Twice a day. Oh. I'm like, there's a brick. But you already had a practice that you, that you like. Full of shit coming if through your window. It, yeah. If there's a, <laughs> if there's a practice that you're interested in specifically. Yeah. 
you're going to check in a couple times a week. Okay. Oh, you're saying just in general. I'm saying if you're like, you just decided, I'm going to start looking for a practice. You should start reaching out to brokers and check in okay. know, once a month, twice a month. You don't want to be like a pass. I see what you're saying. That makes more sense. We don't get new listings every day. I don't. But yeah. Once a month is good. And then I, I put people on a, on a database where once a month I send out my current listings. I'm on your database. Are you? Yeah. Do you get those emails? Yeah, I do okay. them immediately. Okay. They're my spam <laughs> folder. They're garbage, but... <laughs> But I send out all my listings in a spreadsheet form. Um, here are the current listings. Sometimes that list stays the same. If I add a new listing, it'll appear there. Yeah. So I think are, they know. This don't flows into the one below it, which is such a good thing. Don't look at every practice you hear about. Yeah. Don't date every person you see on Tinder. Yeah. Yeah. And I have here, you know, it, it says, if you would never, ever move to Northern Michigan, don't go look at a practice That's in Northern so Michigan. Yeah. Don't drag the broker, your, the seller yourself. It's like, it's yeah. just a waste of time for everyone. So that's where the wish list comes into play. It's like, if you have your absolute, absolute thing, stick, to, stick to that. Yeah. Um, Keep an open mind, but you're right. Don't yes. overload with useless information. Yeah. Don't look at every single practice. I mean, some people are like, well, I look at every single opportunity. It's like, don't no, get every opportunity. You you know, you're not going to you, convince your wife and kids to move to the Upper Peninsula. If you absolutely know you're not going to buy it, then I, you know. Yeah. That's good advice because yeah. how many times do you look at a bunch of shit and think to yourself like, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll move to California. Maybe, you're not going to. No, no. And and that's, you know, but there's, you know, I'm going to contrast that with another don't is don't be too picky. Keep an open mind. Like yeah. if you, if your wish list is Oakland County, and you have all your other stuff, but there's a practice in Macomb County that hits every single thing. I would say you should probably consider that practice. I um, think you have to ask, why is your wish list Oakland County or yeah. Macomb if it's the same practice? Yeah, you drive over the county line, your car explodes, or like exactly. yeah, you'll be shot in the head of Macomb. <laughs> yeah, county. what's going to happen? Like, so there are certain things, and that's where you know a broker or a consultant um, can help you out. You just ask the question, you're like, what do you think about me looking at this practice? Yeah, and then. We can say, oh, let's let's take a look at it. I think you should consider it. Or, you know what? None of what you want. This practice is nothing that you told me you're looking for. Yeah. Do you want to change what you're looking for? Like, you know, what's going on? And there's not a direct correlation between wealth of the people in the area and your income. It's not. No. no. I think that was driven in my head early on that if you practice in Beverly Hills, California, you'll make a billion dollars a year. Mm-hmm. You can work anywhere. And if yeah. you're good at what you do in that area, remember Saad, the construction guy? Yeah. Came by? yeah. He said that. If you can dominate your location, yeah. you'll be fine. Yeah. My favorite practice I worked at as an associate was in Lake Orion. Okay. And it was, um, you know, they, they call it like more blue collar, whatever that means, you know, that term. But it was, um, you know, it wasn't Bloomfield Hills. And it was, it was just a great practice. It was very high end. It was, um, the practice made a lot of money. It was very, very successful and it wasn't, you know, in a ritzy glitzy location. So it was just, it was like probably the best practice in that area, which made it awesome. I loved it. I loved working there. Well, you can't work in like the slums of Detroit. Yeah. But if you work in a, you know, you, if you work, you know, in Detroit and you have a, an awesome practice that everybody loves and you can be very successful there too. Would you think though it's harder to get people to spend money who like travel to Detroit to do it? Some areas do turn people off. Like, yeah, I'm not taking my kids to Detroit for their dental work. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, that comes into play. There's barriers too. Yeah. Yeah. There definitely are. But there are also people that live in those areas that need a good dentist. Yeah. So I agree. Don't rule it out. Let's go to this next one. Meet the seller. Okay, that's a do. Yeah, it's a do. Do meet um, the seller. Do the seller. Why <laughs> is it important to meet the seller? And how do you know the seller is representing him or herself accurately before you buy the practice? Well, that's... Trick that's, question. They're not doing it accurately. But that's you, a toughie. <laughs> it's like, how do you know anyone's representing they're not. accurately? Yeah. You know, you go on a date. It's like, oh, I thought they were... I thought you were a woman. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you don't know, but... The seller, um, my advice would be meet the seller and let them talk. Because okay. people, okay, for a couple of reasons, people love talking about themselves and pe- dentists love talking about their practices. 
So just let them talk. They're going to tell you all kinds of things. Um, they're going to tell you about the patients. They're going to tell you about their experience, what they did right, what they did wrong. Um, so I think that's very valuable. You're also going to get um, an idea if they want you to be successful and if they care about helping you. Most people do. Okay. Um, I That's my experience. Most people, they, they want to help the buyer because they want to show you around, you know? Yeah. It makes them feel good. Yeah. They want to show you their office and they're proud of it. And this is, this is their, their life's work, some people. And, um, so let them do that. And you also too, you want to be in their good graces. Um, that's also helpful. You're going to, you're going to need them to do something for you at some point, whatever it is, you know, you can't find the button to the whatever switch. You want to be able to text them. Hey, it's me. You know, I can't find the, you know, that happens. Yeah. I I will say that the previous owner of this place is still very involved with his patients socially. Okay. And does talk positively about me. That's awesome. Yeah. Because the patients tell me, not because he tells me. Yeah. As he should. Yeah. Yeah. I'm awesome. Yeah. Um, I think a red flag when you're saying let the seller talk is if they don't talk about any of their previous mistakes. If everything's like, I did this right. I did this right. Or if they're constantly telling you how they've been wronged, yeah, it's a like red flag. like a woe is me person. Yeah. Everyone's out I've to get never me. encountered that because <laughs> most tennis, myself included, it's like I could sit here and tell you about all the things that I would have done differently in my just in my dental journey. You know. Yeah. Now that being said, I don't think I made any huge mistakes. I'm happy with how things turned out. You didn't out. kill anyone, but I'm sure no. You- <laughs> but it was you know if I could go back, I would. If you were buying my practice, I would sit down and say, okay, here's what I did that was great. Here's here's what I did that I, I wouldn't recommend. Wouldn't do. Like I wouldn't recommend buying top of the line brand new equipment for the entire office when you open Yeah. or when you buy something. I did that. It's not. Yeah, not a moneymaker. No, not a moneymaker. And it's like nobody really cared that I had the number one highest end ADEC chair. They don't even know. It was so expensive and it's great, you know, good for me, but nobody knows. Yeah. So I would have been, you know, better off spending money, um, giving my staff more benefits, training, maybe whatever. Yeah. Training, things like that. So that's what I would say. Um, but yeah, I I agree. I think, I think that's just good advice for life. I mean, if you, if you sit down with someone, they're like, I'm amazing. Everything I do is, is awesome. And it's not Elon Musk, then yeah, yeah, him. He's anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but there's, I know somebody that huge red flag. They would constantly talk about previous either arguments they were in that they won, okay, or previous like scuffles they were in where they were victorious. So if the dentist is constantly talking about like previous battles they were in, yeah, and they bested that person. Walk away. Yeah, yeah. That's not a I mean, that, from anyone who's exactly like that. then they're. Then they're a high conflict personality. Did you get that book? I did. <laughs> it's a good book. It's great. Okay. Um, Actually, I, the book is what's it called? The Five People Who Can Ruin Your Life. Yeah. Please read that book like five times. Recommended to me by Narina D'Agostini, Vince's wife. And um, her last name is Bushima. Oh, I call her D'Agostini. Is that her name? I know, but D'Agostini. How do you disgrace me? <laughs> um, this next piece of advice on your thing be careful who you take advice from is like the most important thing, in my opinion, on your dues list. Okay. Tell me about, why would you tell people that? Um, I Well, I wrote um, Seek Out Advisors Who Want to See You Succeed, um, and that's really important to me. Um, some people will give you advice based on experiences they had because they almost want you to, to walk the same path they did. They want you to make the same mistakes they did. That's that's never it's good. It's insane. never a good idea. Yeah. yeah. But people do that all the time. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So choose your advisors carefully. I, I, I love lenders. I talk to a lot of lenders, a lot of banks. Um, I don't think they're the best people to advise you on which practice you should buy and why. Well, they don't, they have no skin in the game. No. And they will, they will talk to you about how much they can loan to buy a practice based on the history of the practice. That has nothing to do with you. Um, the practice that you're buying is going to have you running it Yeah. to another point I have in this list. But yeah, so that's, you know, that people will say, oh, well, this person, it's like, all right, well, why are they telling you that? 
they, you know, they want to do the loan or they want to sell you, they, you know, it's, it's the person trying to sell you equipment and they're telling you that you need to build 12 operatories and yeah. buy 12 operatories worth of cabinets and chairs. Is that the best thing for you? No. Probably not. You well, know? You've heard the phrase, follow the money. I mean, it yeah. applies to everything. Like, yeah. Is the person have a financial interest in selling you something? Right, right. Are they are they selling you something or are they, you know, trying to advise you? So again, it's like, you know, some people have advisors that are just other than us. Um, you know, you have some good people who give you good advice. Great. Go with it. Yeah. But but yeah, so so be careful. You know, don't take advice from everyone and and make sure they don't have like an ulterior motive. And we're in that weird age now and we're kind of guilty of this where everybody's giving advice. Yes, there's I mean everyone's everyone, a podcast. Yeah. We do an Instagram, we do. Yeah. Well they're like top three tips of getting a new practice started in twenty four minutes. Right. Right. But people are giving advice and then they want you to buy something. Yeah, take my master class. Yeah. Or people are giving advice and they never own a practice. So this podcast actually makes no money actually, <laughs> for the listener. We made a hundred thousand dollars last year. I think a good <laughs> thing is take advice from people who've been successful and so you were successful at building a successful practice. Yeah. I would take advice from you. Yeah. I could give advice to someone buying a practice. I mean, yeah. I, and I do all the time, of course. If you never owned a practice and you're telling me how to make hygiene more profitable, shut up. You have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's another thing. If you're, if you're, if you haven't done it successfully, it's hard to call yourself an advisor. Yeah. Um, now, are there people who are more successful than me? Absolutely. Impossible. Um, yeah. No way. I mean, absolutely, yes. And, and those people may or may not give you good advice. But um, but yeah, it's, you know, if you've never, if you've never worked in a dental office and you're going to come in and, you know, give me advice on running my practice, I, I would struggle with taking advice from that person. Well, people love that. People get a high from giving advice, mm-hmm. even if they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Or some people it's like, well, they give advice to someone that worked for them and then they'll continue that. But it's, yeah, just, you know, be careful. Yeah. Do your due diligence. Good. Very good. Yeah. This next one, consider partners, terrible advice or investors, <laughs> maybe good advice. Tell me about that one. Well, I put consider partners. So and um, I consider, no. I'm talking next. about, um, it says, well, partners might not be for everyone and they're not. Sometimes they can take you to the next level. You're um, right. I, I don't disagree with you. Yeah. And I think um, sometimes the it doesn't have to be we're going to buy a practice together. It could be let's go in on a real estate deal together or yeah. um, let's start buying practices together. You know, you each have a practice. You're going to grow your business and then buy practices together. But the most important thing about partners um, is you have to know you have to define the partnership. This is, Narina could talk about this. Yeah. Um, you need an out <laughs> when someone decides to leave or leaves, you know, or someone passes away, God forbid. But there, there have to be a lot of like little exit clauses and buyout clauses and, and things of that nature. Um, the other thing too is your personalities have to have to work for that. Yeah. So if you don't like each other, don't be partners they don't have to be the same personality no you can compliment each other but yeah. you're right <clears throat> if you don't like that person yeah don't go into business yeah that would be that'd be a tough partnership you'll like them less yeah but i don't think you should rule it out because i do um i do enjoy i like collaborating with people not yeah. necessarily partners but collaborations i have been approached by another dentist to partner in the business and i'm not saying no to it now I'm yeah not, wait wait I'm saying no to it now, but I'm not saying no to it forever. So I'm yeah. not totally against it. Yeah, don't, you shouldn't be. I mean, you shouldn't be totally against any kind of business. You know, that's going to grow your business. If you have another person, Yeah. is the work always going to be 50-50 equal? No. I think that's hard for people to swallow. Cause it is. Even in marriages, people think the same thing. Right. I'm always doing more, but like you're not. You just yeah. think that. Well, as long as, you know, too, it's like, do you have a strength that they don't have? Like, our, we're, we're business partners, you and I. So... There are definitely, you have some strengths that I don't have. Like you're much better with technology. I'm not. Um, Wait, you have strengths? <laughs> I'm, I'm working on the technology, <laughs> but I'm also, I'm very extroverted. Yeah. So I can, I can talk to anyone about anything. You know, I feel like that's my strength. Yeah. Um, you know, there's probably more, but I can't think of anything. <laughs> we should have made a whole list of just the strengths. Pod. That's the next one. But, um, but yeah, so as long as you have, you know, things that you do 
one person's going to bring this, the other person's going to bring that. Yeah. You know, that's, that might be a successful partnership. And then sometimes they don't work out and you have to end the partnership. Yeah. That's okay. So I don't know how true this is, but Jay Z Mm -hmm. said Steve Jobs only owned 1% of Apple and he's still a billionaire. Yeah. So, and I've heard this in another book where you'll make more money if you own a smaller percent of a huge company yeah. than a large percent of a small company. Yes. Yeah. Something to think about. I mean, they did kick Steve Jobs out of his business. Right. But then he got back in. They brought him back in. Yeah. So, true. Yeah. Yeah. Could he have done it by himself? No. No. It Absolutely sounds like Steve not. Wozniak built everything and Jobs was just like yeah. designed it. I don't even know. No, but it's you, you have to have people invested yeah. in order to get to that level. And right now I'm talking with, um, you know, with a friend of mine, a potential business partner, future business partner about investing in some commercial real estate. And, and it's, it's going to be a partnership, probably three or four people at least are going to go in on something and as partners. So it gets complicated, but if there's three or four or more people, then we're, we're doing bigger deals. So I totally agree. And I think from a dental practice standpoint, it's a safer bet if you have the right partner. Yeah. Um, I had a recent uh, say medical mishap in my family. I had someone diagnosed with cancer and I had to take some time off work. And if I had a partner, oh yeah, That's I wouldn't weird. have to close down my practice. Yeah. So I closed down for three days. And for a sole practitioner, three days of no income. It yeah. hurts you when payroll comes around. Oh yeah, the doors are closed. Those are closed. Yeah. I'm making not only am I making no money, it's negative. I'm losing flow. money exactly. Yeah. So I think if Dennis can figure out, or even if I can figure out how to have a partner, yeah, you have a more successful practice. Yeah, I'll help you. Yeah, yeah. So good point. Actually, yeah. now that I read this, did I change your mind? This thing is so canon. <laughs> oh my gosh, I, I there love it is again. Ding the Ding. word. Okay, word of the day. Next one. Talk to lenders. And lawyers, especially if one is your wife. Yeah. So I said, do this early. Yeah. Um, Marina would say, there's this firm out there that brings lawyers into the transition process way too late. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, a, you know a brokerage A brokerage firm. Firm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We have talked about that. Um, I think if you are buying a practice, that's advice I give to every young or new buyer. Um, you know, have you talked to any lenders? No. I usually send them three. Have you talked to any lawyers? I send them two or three lawyers. Call these people. Just say hello. Have a conversation. What are your current lending programs? Lenders love talking about lending. Yeah, they they love it. Well, they make money from lending. Yeah, yeah. So they'll and they'll give you all the you know details and and then figure out you know make a little spreadsheet or take some notes and figure out who you like. You're going to be talking to these people and who's you think is going to help you. And then compare what's important. Sometimes people will go with a higher rate because they get better service. Do you find that the smaller the bank, the better the service? I found that. I, I don't actually. Really? No. Well, you know more banks yeah, than I Yeah, I, th- I think it all depends on on the person and the program that they have. Like like some lenders, I, I won't say specific names, but um, my, my favorite banks are changing all the time. Okay. Depending on the experience that my buyer has with the lender. Okay. I, I keep track of that. So... Um, when they have a good experience, usually they have a lot of support after the sale. So they're helping them with like their credit card processing and, yeah. and following up with them and giving them a line of credit to buy additional equipment if they need it. Um, yes. Get a line of credit. Oh, yes. Yeah. That yeah. should be on here too. Yeah. Well, that's after you buy though. Oh, this oh, is like before. Okay. But well, kind of during. Yeah. But, um, yes, line of credit you should have, but it's, um, some bankers, they, they're just going to do the loan. You'll never see them again. By the practice, they're out. Yeah. Um, I have have become like a fan of it's going to be a relationship. They're going to support you. You're going to need to borrow more money at some point because you're going to grow and you're either going to move, you're going to do something, need new equipment, your pan's going to break, you know, whatever. So if you have that relationship and you and it's a good one, I would say that's worth going, even if it's slightly higher rate. Yeah. That relationship's important. And look at the terms. Because sometimes the small bank that you got a loan from will give you better terms or better service than the person you're buying the pan from. Yeah. So I bought computers and financed it through the company, which was a mistake. Mm -hmm. I should have just used my business line of credit. Yeah. Paid cash for it and then paid off the business credit. 
to having a stupid loan from the company. Right. And if you borrow and you're good at paying your loan on time, they're going to lend you more. Yeah, If exactly. you're good. Because sometimes people will come in to a deal with cash. They'll say, well, I'm going to pay cash for the practice. And I'm like, let's talk to a lender because I'd rather have you keep some of the cash. Yeah. And and take a loan. If you pay it off early, fine. But but get that you know relationship going because if you... If you step into this practice, you spend all your cash buying it, and then you need one of your chairs breaks, you're going to call, you know, the bank, and you're a stranger at this point. I need they don't $7, know you. For a yeah. Yeah. Versus, I just bought this practice, my chair broke. Okay, doctor, you know, they already, you're already in their system. Yeah. That's an easier loan for them to give. I agree. Um. So yeah, and then lawyers too. You spend a lot of time in the buying or selling process talking to your attorney. <laughs> You do. Like, yes. Like, as you know, as it gets going, there are just a lot of little details and things that, that they can really help you out with. I talk to them a ton. Um, I talk to the CPA and the lawyer a lot during a sale. So, um, so interview a couple. I would say, and my wife does this, ask your attorney for one flat fee, 15 grand for everything. Yes. And I, I think the, the three attorneys who do dental transactions in the state of Michigan, they all do that, the, I believe. No, Don't the, they? the other boy. <laughs> on the West Coast? The one that lives in this area. He does okay. not. Oh, okay. So I my wife does. Um, what's the other guy's name? I forgot. Joe. Joe Hess. Joe Hess does. Yeah. Okay. And then Matt Lamaster. If you do listen to my podcast, you're an amazing lawyer. But I don't think Matt Lamaster does a flat fee. I, I thought he did. I'll, I'll have to ask, ask him. him. Yeah, you I'm should a, come on. You should come on the podcast. For sure. I'm a Matt LeMaster fan. He's great. Um, he's yeah. great. Also, I'm a Norina D'Agostini fan um, and Joe Huss. I, yeah, they're I all like good all lawyers. Yeah. They're all good. They all specialize in dental transitions. I'm giving them a plug right yeah, now. Yeah, Norina's the best, but yeah, um, the other two are like close second. But, um, but they know what they're doing. A flat fee is, is a great idea. It's less stress for the buyer who's buying yes. the legal services. Yeah. Now, now, if I were talking, if we had a lawyer here, if Matt was here, I would say a flat fee, and then you're going to have some additional costs that might come up. You have to charge for those things. Like yeah. there, sometimes there are unknowns, but but when you're paying an attorney by the hour, and you need, you know, you're you don't want to call them because you feel like that it's like the clock is running every time you call them. Yeah. So you so you don't spend enough time consulting with them as you should and then you waste the time you do consult because maybe a conversation needed to be 20 minutes yeah you made it four minutes because you're right. afraid to pay for it right so so a flat fee is great you could say a flat fee and then oh by the way if this comes up it's going to be an additional this or additional that as long as you know the lawyer has that communication with their client i i think it's it's good and those yeah. those three people i believe they do have that communication with their clients yeah um now nobody wants to, you know, nobody wants to pay anyone. <laughs> and yeah. But when you sell a business and buy it and buy a business both, there's a cost to that. Consider it insurance. Yes. To have yeah. advisors. Yeah, and I have I I have someone right now a client who says I'm not getting a lawyer. Can I still do this? And yeah, the answer is yes. Good luck. You don't have to get a lawyer yeah. to sell your business, but I highly recommend yeah. that you do. Um, and I, in writing, I recommend well, it. Well, it's like short-term gain for long-term potential, huge loss Yeah, for not using a lawyer. I think that's yeah. so stupid. Then don't get mad about, you know, if you agree to something and, you You're know, totally exposed. Yeah. Yeah. You should absolutely have a lawyer. And um, I think this person's going to get one, I hope, but it's like. Back to the hourly thing though. When I was going through my lawsuit, it was hourly and yeah. I would call the lawyer and say, Hey Steve, off the record. No, I'm yeah. re I'm really short on time, <laughs> which I wasn't because I wasn't working. But like, I only have one minute. I only have money's worth for ten minutes of talking, right. or record yourself <laughs> and then speed it up on the. You know, <laughs> it's really stressful when they're charging you by the. I know. Like, oh my god! And then they're being verbose. Okay, yeah. consider. Oh, oh yeah, a startup. Yeah, that's a that's a do on my do list. Consider a startup. So people. You know, if you want to buy a practice, and I would, I'll take this to another, you know, point too. Don't look at practices for five years. Agreed. <laughs> because if you have a wish list and you're very picky or you are very sure of a lot of things on it and you're not finding it in, I'd say, two years, then you should probably do a startup. Um, let's, let's start looking at real estate. 
together. And I, you know, I love real estate. So if you're looking at commercial real estate and you're going to do a startup, you're going to be in the building. So it's owner user. And then you're going to have like two or three other tenants. So you're going to have income. So you're starting a business, starting two businesses at that point. Um, I love those. But do I think you should graduate from school and go do a startup? No. If you can buy a practice, I think that's an easier route. But if you're not finding it, then you should do a startup because in the time you keep looking for the perfect practice, you could build something yourself. I agree. Do you think, too, you need to kind of have the understanding when you're buying a business, you're not buying a perfect fit. You're mm-hmm. buying an opportunity. Yeah. So you have to know that like, no, she was going to fit perfectly. No, no. So you, exactly. And that's, um, that's another. Don't be too picky. No, we'll go, we'll go to the don'ts. Don't forget to factor in yourself into the practice oh, yeah, that I, you're buying. I love that one. Um, That's at the bottom of the first column. Yeah. Don't, for, I changed the wording. Don't forget to factor in yourself um, because here's here's what I see all the time. Um, buyers will, they'll overanalyze the practice they're buying. Well, he only did, you know, five crowns this month and, they'll, and then they'll kind of extrapolate that. It's like, well, you're not going to do five crowns. You're going to do 25 crowns this month or, or 20 or you're going to actually do um, perio maintenance or scaling and root cleaning procedures. You need to factor that in. I'm not saying that you should pay them based on that number, but you can pay a premium for that practice knowing that you're going to increase the numbers. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Okay. I think too, you have to understand though, that takes time and it's okay. That takes time. Yeah. Yeah. Don't go in thinking you bought a diamond in the rough and at month three, you're already doing a million dollars a year. Right. Right. But the subtle changes you implement right from the beginning. Huge. Yeah. They're going to make a difference. The, the first year, um, if you buy a practice that's doing, I'd say under 500 that first year, you're, you're probably going to be up. On yeah, the, oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, you know, especially if you implement programs that they didn't have. If they do no endo and no extractions and you do a lot of that, that's you're going to you're going to see that in the bottom line the first year. Yeah. So, if you're good at them. Yeah. If you're, if you're good at them. Exactly. Don't go in thinking I'll start doing these procedures. Don't practice on these. Right. Patients. Right. No, you should already, you should already be doing them, but, but it's really, you know, people, I, I deals fall apart all the time because like that one I, in Birmingham, for example, I talk about it all the time. The practice was doing 325, but the buyer, the right buyer who came in knew that they were going to implement different programs and procedures in the practice, you know, a year after it was um, transitioned does over a million. So we need to have, I I knew it was going to happen on the podcast. She came in with a machine basically. Yeah. Picked up that practice, put it in her well-oiled machine and now it makes a million bucks. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, she combined more patients with it, but still it's, she probably tripled that practice quickly. Yes. I think that's her fifth practice, but third location. Yeah. And this is, um, this is something that that person's very good at, yeah. but, but you know, it's also a person who several times along the way asked me, do you think I should do this? And we had this conversation. I said, all right, if you do it, here's, here's what you're in for. You have to completely remodel the interior. Okay, fine. I'm willing to do that. Okay. You have to implement, you know, these programs and train this staff. If you're willing to do all those things, you're going to be amazing. Yeah. And and she was. And she did it. And Saad did her. Yeah. Interior. Saad did her. Yeah. Her design, her interior build out. It's beautiful. But um, yeah, if you come in and you're not going to spend a dime on any updates, no upgrades, and you should expect to do exactly what they were doing. Yeah. If not less. Yeah. But you're not, you know, you're not going to do that. Hopefully. And last one. And. I think people have to understand when you buy a business, it's the goodwill that gives you the opportunity to make money. Yeah. That's all you're buying. Yeah. The The, goodwill is so important. The equipment's worth 45 cents. Yeah. Yeah. The goodwill, um, I can't stress enough, um, the do, do maintain the goodwill forever. Even if you don't like the seller dentist, talk positively about them absolutely all the time don't ever talk negatively about their dental their dentistry never just 
Don't talk negative about other dentist dentistry ever. Either. Actually, yeah, good point. Don't ever talk negatively about other dentist dentistry. First of all, you don't know the circumstances yeah. that they were under. And it's just, it's really bad business. Dentists love that. So when I was reported to the board six yeah. months ago, another dentist reported me. Really? Because they saw work I did. And then them and the patient reported me to they the board. They decided to be the whistleblower? Yeah. Well, my sister, who's a specialist, she's an endodontist, outstanding endodontist, um, had an incident. I can't remember if it was her or her, her business partner, but... It was a general dentist that talked negatively about them to a patient. So a dentist was saying, oh, you know, they didn't do this. Well, the facts of the case were this infection was like huge and they saw it half healed because it was only three months later. So it was half as big as it started and it was healing beautifully. But that's where they picked up the case. Yeah. And it's like they were they were wrong. And they said, well, they did a bad job. And it's like, well, you don't, why would you ever say that first of all? Well, they love that. It makes you feel good about yourself to see. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, that's, that's an absolute no, but, but maintain the goodwill forever. Um, you know, their staff is going to treat you better. Their patients, it's going to come back and. So here's why goodwill matters so much. Um, I just had a patient, she turned 101 and she just passed away, but I have, I had her, I have her son as a patient. I have her son's kids, and now her kids are having kids. So I treated great grandma. Mm-hmm. Now I'm treating great grandkids, and that yeah. goodwill is still in the family, and they stay here. Yeah. So no matter what, even a hundred years from now, do not talk poorly about the previous dentist. No, no, and you, and you shouldn't. You know, if you're buying a practice, I I feel like you shouldn't really feel that way, anyways. If you really dislike this person, maybe that's not the practice for you. Or maybe you're so fucking insecure. People yeah, put people down. Right, and so, some people so angry do, I'm getting. Yeah, I know. <laughs> some people do need to do that, unfortunately. Yeah, to feel good. yeah. But yeah, you shouldn't. And, and dentistry is challenging. I mean, we all know. Maybe the person they were working on was really difficult that day, or oh know, yeah, whatever. I mean, I mean, you're working in a fucking minefield. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had someone once that said I did a, like an anterior crown, a couple of crowns, and they were like, they made a comment like, oh those those are really white. You know, they're too white. Patient loved them. That's what they wanted. Yeah. You know, and it was like, I remember thinking those are kind of light, you know, I don't, it's not my aesthetic, but you know, they, they loved it. And you know, someone who was working in my office, like, Oh, those are, those crowns are too light. It's like, well, you don't know. You weren't there for the conversation. Yeah. I know they're too light. That's a whole nother topic about office staff appreciating your work Mm -hmm. or talking down about it when you're not around office step yeah that's because that goes a really long way when you're when your assistant or the person whoever it is oh beautiful crown you know when they say that during the procedure um first of all it is a beautiful crown because it's new and it's like being done properly but but they should talk it up yeah why not it's like that's your product yeah and you work for this person if you hate their work go work somewhere else yeah yeah exactly so that's um that's kind of it. We missed a couple things, but I'm gonna put this these do's and don'ts on my <clears throat> website. Um, that's it. We're done for anyone who's interested. Yeah, we're done with the list. I think. No, let's talk about one more. Okay. Um, comparing yourself to others. Oh, don't compare yourself to others. It's just general good life advice. Mm-hmm. We all do it all the time. Yeah. But if you bought a practice, and then your buddy bought a practice, and you're not doing the numbers he or she is doing. It's only a small snapshot of time. Yeah, and it's okay. And there's there's a um, possibility that you're doing better elsewhere in life than that person. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, that's so true. It's like, all right, well, maybe you don't have that practice is a little more successful, but you have, you know, your personal life is amazing, and theirs isn't. You know, yeah, exactly. Well, also, so time, whatever the case, yeah, time will reveal all truth. Maybe they're really successful. But then it turns out like they're scamming insurance or they're doing right. really shitty work. Right. Yeah. You never know. So, and maybe, maybe they're just better at business than you. I mean, that's, that's a possibility, yeah. but you're um, going more positive than I am. Yeah. But, yeah. Maybe they're always going to do a little bit better. Yeah. That's okay. Some, some people are just really good at business. You know, they're, they're amazing dentists. They're great at business. They look like models. Yeah. Um, you know, they're wealthy. It's like, okay, that person. Don't compare yourself to them. Yeah. And I think dentists yeah. get a chip on their shoulder. If you do really good clinical dentistry, 
but your numbers don't show that. Mm-hmm. You're kind of thinking like, well, what the shit? Yeah. I'm supposed to be a good dentist. Right. Half a den- half of dentistry is marketing, if not yeah. more than half. Everything is marketing. Yeah. And it's a, a book. book. Yeah, it's yeah. a book. So, well, good. Books. Well, I'm glad both of our guests no-showed and said I they know. hate us. We kind of wanted to do this as a podcast anyways, so it yeah. kind of worked out. We threw it in the universe, and the universe is like, all right. Yeah. That's like the book, The Secret. You ever read that book like 10 years yeah. ago? Every like, stay-at-home mom read that. Yeah. I watched the movie, too. Was it good? No. No. It's not. Is but it working? It's um, The movie's kind of like, it's kind of weird, you know? When you were a 12-year-old girl, did you dream about having a podcast? No. no. Did you? I yeah. didn't even know what a podcast was. When I was a 12-year-old girl, I dreamed about having a podcast, and it worked. I don't think I knew what a podcast was until like two years ago. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I didn't. I was like, oh, that's like a weird thing you do from space. Exactly. You know? like, it is. I'm not going to do that. But um, the secret is kind of like the universe, the, the universal law of attraction. Yeah. Which I strongly believe in. You do? I do. But yeah. you don't like the book. Well, I think the, the book's okay. The movie's a little cheesy for me, but... Okay. Um, but I do belong to this group on Instagram. It's like the I think it's called the Law of Attraction. Okay, like the Law of the Universe, and you know they post things on there that I and I I believe in most of it. I do. I think if you, I think we attract things that we want. Do you think if you focus on it, then take action to get it, you'll get it? Or do yeah, you focus on it and sit home by yourself and do nothing. No, a, I think it all it show. all works together. Like okay. if you if you really want something subconsciously you start taking actions and moving in a direction to get that thing. Think about it. I agree. I mean, think about just anything you want. You you start noticing things that, that relate to that thing. Yeah. Like it's going to, it's going to appear in your life eventually. Unless, you know, people, people attract negative things into their lives, I think. And I think like dieting and exercise and weight loss and gain I think that's a very, you know, you can use that as an example. If you're constantly thinking about being fat, then you're, people like that usually are overweight, right? Like worried about being fat or? Well, those are, those are people I think who overeat because they're constantly obsessing about food. Okay. There's a thing in the book about that. Um, in the, the secret. Mo- maybe the, the movie. Yeah. Are we giving people a discount code for the book, The Secret? <laughs> no, but you know what? I think everyone should read The Secret. My real estate broker loves that book and movie. So when you join the, you know, Max Brook and West Bloomfield, sure. he recommends that you read that book. You know, sometimes I'll think The Secret is bullshit and then you see someone driving a Ferrari who read The Secret, you're like, what? Yeah, maybe you're like they read the secret. Like, Shit, maybe it's not. Maybe but I'm bullshit. Think about something you've always wanted. You you find a way to get it. Yeah, I mean I do. I, yeah, happens all the time. Yeah, I can't but I'm think a positive thinking person. Yeah, I am. I don't think that. I think people limit themselves. We limit ourselves, and and we shouldn't. This is something I've learned. You know, in my 40s, that you can really pretty much do anything if you want. If you're the phrase, you can have anything you want, but not everything you want. Yeah, you don't want everything. But like if you focus on three things, you can get those. Yeah. But not 10 things. Yeah. It's a it's kind of a fun game. So here's here's what I do. You know, like New Year's um, resolutions, right? I've heard of the New Year. Yeah. So <laughs> so at the end of the year, I write down a list of things I want. I do, I've do. i been doing this for like five years now. Um, just things I want in life. You know, healthy, happy kids. That's my number one. Um, you know, healthy, happy self, healthy, happy kids. And then I have a little professional things. There's like three things. It's not very long. And then personal things and then just whatever. And then I put it in a folder and I don't look at it for another year. Okay. And every year I do that, I get every single thing on the list. That's nice. Yeah. Every single thing, every time. And like I've started getting a little more like wild with the list. Like, all right, I'll throw this on there. And then it's like, oh, yep, I have that too. Yeah. But when I make the list, I'm like, okay, I'm going to... and I. I, th- I don't think I, I think I misspoke. I do look at it because I review it. It's like, all right, am I in track? Like, what am I, what do I want? What am I getting? And sometimes it's like really stupid things like a Chanel purse, you know, I yeah. wanted one time. Did you get it? I did. Yeah. Did you show it up at your house? No, it didn't show up at my house. I just like. You had to buy it? I had a, I had a really good um, business sale, a deal, and I saw it at the mall and I bought it. But it was like in my mind, you know, yeah. is that like something that's really important to me? No. Yes. It's not, but it's like, it's fun to put little things on there, like you, little gifts for yourself, you yeah. know, why not? Yeah. I love it. Most of it's vacations. Good. That's what I love. But good. um, yeah, so. Well, good. Well, I'm so glad we did this. 
Me too. Um, episode 38. 38. Of the Vince Buscemi podcast. Yeah. Um, so we'll be back with some guests. And yeah. whoever's listening, um, we are looking for for more guests in 2023. So please send us um, an email or a, a text. Um, I'm actually going to give myself a number. 248-214-3727. Um, please text me if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast. We'd love to have you on and talk business. Yeah. So upcoming October 21st, we have Alan Mead. Awesome. Who's the host of the Very Dental Podcast. I was on his podcast a month ago. And then we have Julian Gordon, who's a clinical psychologist. Awesome. That'll Same be a day. good one. Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, we're going to put a little couch in here and like lay down on it. He'll, he'll do therapy for us okay. on the podcast. So save all your horrible memories and okay. trauma for him. All right. He's so cool. Awesome. All right. Well, all right. See you later. See you soon. All right. Bye. bye. Well, there you have it. Another great episode of Two Faced, the podcast, the other side of dentistry. Please follow us wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to our YouTube channel for more content. And if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, please reach out to us on Instagram at toothfacedpodcast or email us at toothfacedpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>